This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, planet Earth. My name is Chris Machete Cochran. I am your favorite comic book artist slash agent of chaos. Oh, today we got a good one for you. We are going to deep dive the story of the Acid King, which has the original link in society to heavy metal and Satan. And I must I must point out that when you're going, if you go like this or you go like this, you're really not giving the sign of the devil. Like you, you got to go like this. Just so you know, that's the actual sign of the devil. Okay. And that, you can't sell for yourself with that though, right? So it can't be that cool. Anyway, here's what we're talking about tonight. Roll it, Lonnie. Roll it. Roll it. Dateline, Northport, Long Island. A quiet community rocked by reports a teenager was dragged through these woods toward a late night ritual of death. An eyewitness said the victim, Gary Lowers, was forced to pray to Satan as he was repeatedly stabbed to death. Two young men were arrested. James Troiano was found innocent last month, but his alleged accomplice never made it to trial. Ricky Casso committed suicide in jail the day after his arrest. Despite numerous signs that Casso was into Satanism and rock music associated with devil worship, police steadfastly refused to label this case satanic. The official explanation, a drug-related crime. Yeah, that was a drug-related crime. Holy cow! Okay, so that's our story, what we're looking at right now. Uh, a lot of key words there. Hopefully we can get away with those. Wow. Uh, so here's what we got. The gentleman in question's name is Ricky Cassio Jr., and he was born 1967. Uh, he's also known as the Acid King. I remember this when I was younger. I'll divulge on that. There he is right there, Ricky Ricky Cassio in that famous ACDC shirt that he was wearing. Does ACDC drive you to satanic worship and killing someone offing someone i don't know i i don't know um so yes yeah he's an american uh criminal who offed his 17 year old friend gary lawers and this was in northport new york this is long island new york right and there's there's the guy the gentleman on the left that uh he has confrontation with is no longer well they're both no longer with us um so this was in 1984, June of 1984. So again, I would have been like, you know, uh, 12, 13 years old and just see, th- this is the thing with me is I've always listened to, no, no, I've always listened to metal. I've been listening to Kiss since I was six years old. So that wasn't new to me, but this whole twist on how now heavy metal was being labeled affiliated with Satan was because I would go to people's houses uh with kids i knew i would meet around that age and there'd be odd parent to be like you aren't one of them devil worshiping kids are you and i'm sure a lot of my friends can uh atone to this being younger and having the hair and heavy heavy metal and and being labeled as a satanic worshiping kid man so again that kind of pushes you against any kind of organized religion at that age it was almost at a time it seemed 
in the 80s where the media was trying to make their parents afraid of their kids. This was a perfect example. I'm going to dive into this a little bit more. So what we got here, uh, there was two other teens involved in this. Jimmy Toriani and Albert Quinez. Quinones. There we go. And they were all present when this happened. So there was the four, the four kids there. They were all around 17 years old. And they were all under the influence of what they believed was mescaline, but it was most likely some LSD, some acid. Now, the thing about this, this Ricky Cassio kid who, who committed the, the heinous event is he was, he was kicked out of his house when he was 13, okay? His dad and his mother were school teachers. His dad was one of those football dads who wanted him to play football and was apparently pretty aggressive, more aggressive than he should have been. Uh, he was physically aggressive, mentally aggressive about his, his, his kid's football career. And he had the same name, Ricky, so it was Ricky Jr. So his dad was a football coach, a gym coach, I believe. He was, they're both teachers, Anyway, and Ricky didn't like it, so he, he revolted against it and ended up getting kicked out of the house at the age 13. So I can imagine being on your own at 13. That was crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So he turned towards, they went to the library apparently and started researching all these books on Satan. He wanted to have a thing. He had nothing. So his thing was going to be that he knew more about the devil than everybody else. So when the kids and teenagers would go hang out in the park, which they would do, small town this was the same thing i went through is you went to the park they went to the woods they had fires you'd hang out and do your thing they would go and do uh they would do their drugs which would be more which i would classify more of the lsd and eventually this dude was doing angel dust and stuff right which is which really started really messing him up um back when i was younger it was more although i did do acid a few times i can i i will uh admit to that and wow uh but it, i'm not talking about when i say doing drugs i'm not talking about mushrooms or marijuana you know there's a lot of kids doing that again back then i guess they were called drugs but we're going to refer to drugs in this conversation as acid lsd um angel dust that kind of thing okay just just so we we're on the same uh, language plane here so 13 he's he's he started he started tried his first hit of acid and just loved it he also tried marijuana laced with angel dust they were dusted joints and that was the one that really called to him apparently so he had his own little world he was living outside him and he had his group of friends they all hung out together you know they all did their things so they had this forest that they would hang out in and there was this one location called astaki woods and it was this this castle that they would hang out at and it was been there forever and ever and of course there was a uh, a history behind this place that they would hang out at and he would go and do his his his, his conversations ricky would go there to do his conversations with uh, the devil and take tons he would take like apparently he would take like 12 hits of acid and they called him the acid king because not only he had all these drugs all the time but he knew exactly how many to take before you could od or how many how much angel dust you could take and you could talk to satan so he had this whole lure legendary thing of this like so by this time he was he was little he wasn't 13 when he was really getting in closer, we'll say he's around 15, 16 at this point, when he started getting legendary about becoming the acid king and this kid that lived outside. Yeah, this kid lives in my shed. He's been living in my shed for a week. And, you know, to to, to stomach that, to a kid 15 is living in my shed. To me, that's pretty crazy. 
And that's another thing that dawned on me, all these kids. It's just, it was normal for all the stuff that was going on. Now, again, looking back, reflecting on my own life, looking back then, here's, there was a, there's some scenarios that I watched from this documentary that I can really, really relate to. And that is when you're in these woods, or you're in these great big parks where there's different groups of, of teenagers, kids hanging out. You, you do know if you're in the wrong area. Um, there's a, there was a gentleman in the documentary and he's from the band Wheatus that did that song. I'm just a teenage dirtbag baby. Well, the singer's from this area and he was the same age and he made a comment about how he would go hunting for turtles in the area. And he said, but if you heard the teenagers coming by, you know, to hide, just stay still because the older teenagers would just come down to mess with you, which was the same way when I was younger, man, <clears throat> excuse me. If we ever went out to like just smoke a cigarette or even like, just even that, you know what I mean? Other like, or smoke a joint or something like that, or have a drink before we'd go out to the arcade or go to a school dance. You knew what areas to hang out in and you knew what areas not to hang out in. And if you did want to hang out in the certain area where the older teenagers, you know, 17, 18 year old were hanging out, you knew you were, you were going to be subject to something not good. And now I never experienced anybody getting murdered or getting off or anything like that. I keep slipping those words in there. I'm going to get flagged. Um, I've never experienced anything like that, but I can relate to the whole air of what was going on. And again, I'll relate to the ripple effect that happened. So going back to the star of our show here, Ricky Casso, who's living out on his own, getting known as this legendary acid king. All right. He starts to get a group of friends around him and he meets this older dude who's like 20 years older and they called him Father Time. Uh, I had a few other names for him, but he was a, a, a Vietnam vet. And he, he, he was, he had some PS. PTSD, uh, obviously from the war, which, which which is understandable, but he went the way of worshiping the devil. So he he met Ricky in a bookstore and was like, you know, if you want that to work, satanic book that he was reading, Ricky, you know, you got to steal it. It's your first test. You can't pay for it. So from there, this father time, this older war vet started kind of, you know, whispering in his ear little things to do. They wanted to go to the Amityville house from the, the movie, uh, from the Amityville movie where the family was offed. Uh, which was close to this 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 location, right, in Long Island. So they wanted to go there and perform some kind of seance, okay? So this is Ricky hooking up with this older dude. So they decide that they want to do this, right? There's, there's Ricky, uh, I believe it was his other friend, Ricky, yeah, Ricky and uh, Jimmy Chirano. They wanted to do this. So the old guy's like, well, you got to get a human skull, so Ricky started digging up uh, a grave in a, in a local cemetery, and he went down like seven feet apparently. But, of course, these were graves from so, so, so long ago that he wasn't finding anything. It must have been uh, disintegrated and such. But he dug down seven feet, and apparently he only stopped because he was tired. That's how into this this guy was. Mind you, he's on all kinds of illicit drugs that are they're creeping him out and keeping him going. And uh, he's living on his own. This is this is his whole entity of what he's doing. There's no parental figures. There's no parental guidance, which apparently, and what I'm getting from most of what I'm watching is the biggest difference. One of the biggest differences between Ricky Casso and and most of the the kids around him is that family connection. You know, there's a great intro to her where it's it just takes everybody's brain is wired differently, and it just takes the right experience, the right day, the right circumstance to set some people off. And if you're going to be doing a lot of drugs, a ton of drugs, you're more apt to have this happen to you. If you're from a family that doesn't show you any kind of love or support, you're going to you're going to look for that. And apparently Ricky Castle was looking for that through Satan and through that it elevated him in his little community of drugs. So uh, eventually he got arrested for 
digging up the graves. They found out that it was him and he got caught for that. So he had to go to a court hearing for it. And that was the final straw back there between his folks. I believe he went home maybe for a little while just to, to try and get healthy because he had pneumonia and hence they put him in a mental institute and he got smart enough that he, he figured out that, well, if I just tell them that if Ricky Castle just told the, the psychiatrists and the doctors that, well, yeah, I'm fine. I don't believe in Satan anymore. No, I'm good. I'm good. They'll let him free. And that's exactly what happened. So he went free and he didn't go back to his folks house after they, he was, they got him committed. So he went back out on his own there. And it was that, and he just really, at that point, apparently he just, he was, he lost any kind of respect or condition for other people. And as he's going along here, his friend, he had that friend Gary who ended up being the victim in this circumstance. Uh, and Gary was with him since he was in like the second grade. They've been kids forever, right? Gary Lars. So Gary's one of the friends and Gary ends up stealing a bunch of hits of, hits of acid from him, made some angel dust. And the there's different, let me just have a drink here, folks. I've, I've researched this a lot and I'm, there's the stories that he did, Gary did pay him back after he stole it from him and he got caught. But from my research, he didn't. He didn't fully pay him back, like, right away. It took a while. So they beat the crap out of Gary, Ricky and uh, Ricky and Jimmy. I keep forgetting Jimmy's name. It's such a simple name. So Ricky and his buddy Jimmy would, would beat up Gary a lot because he stole the, the drugs from him, the acid and that, right? And I don't think he, he, I think he fully paid him back at this point either. So he did finally end up paying him back. Gary was showing his face again and hanging out with everybody, you know, and a lot of the kids from that scene back in that day were saying, you know, wow, oh, it was such a great evening. We were all tripping and, and Gary was back and Gary was even saying to us, hey, I'm all paid up. I can show my face again, which is why I think in that sentence right there, Gary said, and this was one of the witnesses, one of the kids saying, yeah, Gary said, I'm back. I'm all paid up. So he's now all paid up. He can hang out. So Ricky Casso. There's, now, this is where we get to the event, all right? So we got Ricky Casso. Don't spin on me. That's not very nice. We got Ricky Casso, Jimmy Toriano, and Albert Quinones. The three of them, they get Gary, and they say, hey, Gary, let's do some, drop some acid. Let's do this and that. Let's go for a walk in the woods. Legendary go. Legend, I've heard this in a few of them. This consistent is they bribed him by offering him jelly donuts. I guess he had a jelly donut obsession. I don't know. So they got Gary to go with him. And Gary was feeling a little like, the guy's been beating the crap out of me for the past month. I'm all paid up. I guess everything's good. So, you know, he joined them. They went out in the forest. And they lit their fire like they do. Hang out. Start drinking. Taking more drugs. Doing whatever. And Gary gets this feeling. He, say, he says to, to Ricky... I have a feeling you're going to hurt me. And Ricky jumps up and says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to bump you. You know what I mean? And jumps on him. They start fighting. And apparently Jimmy even jumps up and starts laying the boots to Gary as well. While the other gentleman, he was just sitting there. Uh, Albert Quinones. He was like the one witness that they really needed that they couldn't find for a while. He just sat there and watched. And apparently Jimmy even handed um, the knife to Ricky. So Ricky stabbed I'm going to get flagged again for that. <laughs> Ricky attacked Gary and it didn't stop there. There's some grave details there. They dragged him into the forest and it went on. It was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. What happened? Uh, Gary was a thief. He admitted it on some recordings in this documentary, but he didn't deserve to get killed, right? Ah, oft. <laughs> so if you're watching at home and you have beverages, every time I say a word, I shouldn't like that. Just have a drink. 
have some fun with it. Cheers. Okay, so yeah. Drag poor Gary off into the forest. That's it for Gary. They uh, they didn't. Even, they just kind of threw stuff on top of him too. So as the days go by, Gary was was running away all the time and getting in trouble with the law. So nobody, his family wise, they just kind of thought, okay, well he's he's not come home for six days or whatever a week. That's that's normal. I think it was after a week or after it was after a week or so that Ricky started phoning Gary's mom and saying creepy stuff like what he did to her kid. Man, and then after we moved on from that, he started taking other kids on a tour to see what he'd done because Gary was still there, you know? His body was, so he's taking tours of kids up there and showing them, and as it's going on, it's getting worse and worse. It's smell and everything, as you can imagine. So one of these, the kids are getting frazzled by, but I believe there was like 12 of them, and none of them told the police anything, because there was that mentality that I guess, you know, they'll get me next or, you know, wow. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend you watch the documentary. If you're generation X metalhead from my age range, you know, it's really entertaining. All these kids, not inter- not, it's not entertaining that all these kids didn't say anything, but if you're from my era, you can go right back to this generation, man, which again, I'm going to expand on. So they're taking kids tours up there too. So they, they they feel Jimmy and uh, Ricky Casso, they feel like something's up, right? So they take off. But they come back to pick up some stuff, fall asleep in the car, and they get arrested. Okay? Now, here's where the media jumps in. The crap hits the fan. He was associated with Satan. And when he got arrested, yeah, cops hunt killer cult. They just, it went off the rails here. Look at him in the top right uh, is on my screen here. <sighs> he does that face. That's the classic face. That's so why he's wearing an ACDC shirt. Ooh, that'll, that'll really make you want to go on a rampage. What the F, man? <laughs> Craziness. Remember this when I was a kid. This was all over the place. So the media jumped on this and went crazy with it. He did it all because of Satan. It wasn't because of the drugs. It wasn't cause, cause, because of his upbringing. It was because of his affiliation with Satan and the music. So heavy metal was blamed to the link with Satan. He listened to metal. He listened to ACDC. Let's have all that stuff. So that's what drove him to kill they also said he had a satanic cult which was not true of course the media jumps on stuff and makes it ridiculous because they get money from it they don't care what it does to other people they're just making money off it they didn't help the situation at all by doing this in the least they interviewed in the documentary they interviewed the kids who live there even the, the the police that live there the only people that said this was related to heavy metal and satan were people that were were from the media from out of the town, politicians from out of town, you know, glorifying this and making money off it and getting their face in the paper. Again, the media, right? Again, doesn't it make you wonder how long we've been lied to? Cult of Machete, right? We do. We wonder how long we've been lied to. This is just one perfect example. Now, The Acid King, you should watch this. This is a great documentary. I think it's only on Tubi right now, but you can get all kinds of stuff on YouTube as well. Now, as I mentioned, I grew up in this era. I was younger, but i been listening to heavy metal. I would have been like 12, 13 at this time. I've been listening to heavy metal for half my life since I was six years old. And I'm talking, listening to it, posters on the wall, wanting to be Ace Frehley, thinking there's nothing wrong with Gene Simmons squirting blood all over the place. Wait, there's Ace Frehley. There you go. Uh, that's a poster from when I was a kid. Boom. There we go. That would have been like 1978. So... I started getting that whole, I, I, my parents, I don't know, they're watching. Hi, folks. Um, I'm not sure if they remember this, but I hope they do. 
because they were even kind of like, oh my gosh, wow, Chris, like, like our Motley Crue, do they really worship Satan and keeping an eye on me and stuff like that, right? They never thought I was into Satan because I think after maybe they kept an extra eye on me, they're like, nah, he's still collecting toys and reading comic books. He's not worshiping Satan. It's like, oh my gosh, what is Chris doing in his room there with the door shut and the heavy metal music on? They creep open the door and I'm reading Spider-Man and, you know, unwrapping a new toy or something. (laughs) There is definitely no worries of me worshiping Satan, but... All this hoopla made me wonder about it and made me do a seance. If they did not do this in the media, I never would have made a, I never would have did a seance with my friends, which sidebar is a whole other story that I have to do. But I have to get somebody else on the show who's been there. One of the people are no longer with us. One of the people I cannot get a hold of. And the other one is Jim McDermott. Jim, if you're watching, buddy, I got to get you on here, man. You're a hard dude to uh, pin down. And I understand that. I miss you. I love you. So this whole media circus made me dive into it a little bit. Now, I didn't dive into worshiping the devil. I just wanted to do a seance. I just wanted to see weird shit. I was a 13-year-old kid. I want to see weird shit. And plus, it's like, come on. Come on. Nothing bad at that point in my life had happened to anybody or me around me, anything like that. So I was kind of like, let's do this. I know that it's not. Because I knew it wasn't really linked to heavy metal because I wasn't turning into a Satanist. It, it just, you know what I mean? And me and my friends, it wasn't. And the other kids that were, the older kids that were down at the parks, yeah, sure, they were scratching uh, ups, upside down stars and an Aussie with an upside down cross and stuff like that. But they weren't lighting candles and like worshiping Satan. I didn't really see any of that. I don't remember, like, I remember just people saying they like Satan and stuff. He's cool, man. Do drugs, drink drink booze, listen, you know, listen to him and worship Satan. But no, I, nobody actually really did it. And I think you'll find that the gentleman in this documentary, it wasn't just him worshiping Satan. It was him, him being pushed away from his family. He didn't have anybody, man. And then he starts doing like angel dust and, and doing like five hits of acid plus though, man, music had nothing to do with that. That's my opinion. Music had nothing to do with that. It might've been like a sidebar for him to kind of like, Ooh, oh, this, this is, this is rad. Um, and now if you look at today, all that I even talked about it is, is Hollywood associated with Satan? Is Hollywood associated with the devil? Well, do you think maybe it's just a show to get people talking about it too? You really got to question the media, my friends. I know uh, information is important, but uh, this is just a perfect example of how all these news stations, there's reporters, uh, really screwed up the system here and made people scared and worried. And of all things, making you afraid of your kids. How low is that, right? Oh my gosh. Like, just think about that for a minute. Because they're, right after that was the Menendez brothers and they jumped all over that. Man, that freaked my parents out. I remember them talking about that too. It's just so, they, the, the, the mid to late 80s, man, they really wanted you to fear your kids. Google it. Look into it, my friends. The Cult of Machete wants you to educate yourself on our history. It might help you with our future, right? Yeah. Not lecturing, just saying, like, it's an interesting thing. So, I, as I mentioned, I felt the, uh, the ripples of all this being a Canadian kid. That was the whole deal. It was, wow, you know, you listen to heavy metal. My, 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 many parents, oh, listen to that metal, that devil music. Oh, man, tons of that, tons of that. So, again, it puts your back up against organized religion, which, again, watching this documentary gave me a deja vu of of why I have my back up against religion a little bit, organized religion, because it scares me. When I was younger, it was like a cult that was against me. That's, That's what this was like. 
And to reiterate myself is when I was like, oh my gosh, what's he doing by himself downstairs in the basement there listening to heavy metal music? I was reading comic books and playing and, and collecting toys yeah, and drawing, you know what I mean? Like Spider-Man and stuff like that. So that's how funny that is. I, I just find it so hilarious that they would pull something out uh, of one situation without examining it and educating themselves. Or maybe they did and they thought, hey... We're gonna just we're gonna make money off this and, and throw flame to it. It's either ignorance or just greed, right? Generally is, my friends. Generally is. Yeah. But what a great movie. What a great movie. Uh so it's the Acid King, and it's fantastic. So my buddy Brent had some uh he's not with us uh tonight. He's out uh, where's Brent? He's out on the road somewhere, isn't he? He's doing something. So here's what Brent has to say about Ricky Castle, the Acid King documentary. Yeah, has the relationship between Satan and metal lessened over the years, or is it just a joke? Yeah, right? So I, I've mentioned that, that the newer artists today are kind of using that as a bigger metaphor, uh, the Illuminati devil or whatever. But yeah, they're still using it to freak people out, eh? We both know that, Brent, for sure. Uh, what really motivated him to off his friend? Did he get seduced by the idea of Satan or just insane? <clears throat> uh, there's the drugs. I would say it's the drugs and the uh, the, the devil was just a, uh, a path. It, he was alone, man. He wanted something. He wanted something. I guess you couldn't pick up the guitar. He couldn't like have a drawing table to try and work on something, man. You got to put yourself back in that when you're a kid too, man. That's what I try and do when I teach. It's tougher when you're a kid. Definitely. When you, I found now 50, when I hit 50, man, I, it's so funny how uh, things started to really make a lot more sense for me and I could deal with them. Logically, yeah, so sorry. Uh, how many more of these unknown stories exist that have come out? Yeah, well, I've researched it. Not too many. <laughs> Which is funny with the heavy metal, right? Like, there are a few, of course. Uh, there was a rap one I was reading, like a rap. There's a new thing called rap core, uh, rap, death core rap or something, and they sing about very... It's just like horror movies and rap, but they rap about it, right? So I, I have no problem with this stuff. I find it, again, like a horror movie. It, it's just music. Uh, so I have seen a little bit, but not as much as, like, the news is picked up, right, buddy? Uh, what would he think of the metal bands he worshipped actually becoming Christian? Yeah, well, we all grow up. We all grow up. It's a shame that Ricky didn't get to grow up. I'm going to give my final thoughts on him in a minute here. Um, his dad seemed like every every other overbearing dad. Yeah, was it just white privilege that he didn't go the right way? Was it just because, you know, I'm just going to do what I want and I can? Um, it's also mentioned in the documentary, like, what a what a white person's issue worshiping satan and it's true like it's it's like you don't hear of a lot of uh you know asian folks going on uh offing spree got that one uh because they they're worshiping the devil there are some cool movies about it and stuff but you know yeah at least not back in that time not back in that time they were doing things like this but it wasn't because of heavy metal is my point in this gentleman's point um it's happening on people kids are being violent all over the world but not blaming it on heavy metal a very white thing, right? Uh, so, man, that kid, I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here, final thoughts here, my friends. I really appreciate you tuning in before I start pimping some of my wares here. I just want a final thought on this. So I have a hard time not feeling sorry for Ricky Casso. I know, right? I just, I've watched a lot of stuff on it. I've read a lot of stuff on it. You know me, I go in there and I just dive into it while I'm, doing my artwork and such. But I just, the 13 and having nowhere to live, hopping from couch to couch, that's tough, man. I don't know. I remember some uh, friends of mine, and if you're hanging out at their house, if their dad came home, you got out the back door as quick as you could. 
that was pretty scary. And I can, and again, as a kid, you can't, it, it doesn't make sense. So you just move on. If you can't wrap your head around it. Hey, Star Wars movie. Hey, a new song. Hey, a guitar. Uh, the older you get is more when you really start to think back on things like this and how it could possibly affect somebody growing up. And again, like I mentioned, people's uh, makeup and their vibes and their their balances. You get the wrong drug, the right wrong drug, wrong drug at the right time <sighs> around some chaotic people. Yeah, lots of stories there you could write about. This is a true one though, so I have a hard time not feeling sorry for him. But at the same time, and Gary goes through the whole documentary saying that he's a robber and he's proud of it. He's stealing. He steals off his friends. He didn't deserve to get off though. There's no way Gary deserved what he did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd love for you folks to see it. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Uh, my friend Mark Buck from Ingersoll, Ontario. Uncle Buck. Mark Buck, he agrees that it's the drugs, not the music. He himself grew up in the area. I grew up in Ingersoll, and he was into the same scene. He was uh, around me at the same time as well, and he was probably doing the same thing, going home and having his music on, but getting his action figures out and doing some drawing, right? So that's what we did back then. So thanks, Mark Buck, for, for commenting in there, and hopefully you can catch the show tonight. Uh, what an era the 80s were, my friends. What an era they were. Okay, so The Acid King. You folks got to watch that. Now, moving quickly on here, we're running to the end here. I like to do half-hour episodes. Machete Comics. Issue number four is out. It's available. You can get it from there. It is eight bucks. Issue number four. Issue number five is being worked on right now. We have our funding for all this. We're going to keep on moving and shaking. If you have the books, now we're, we, uh, okay, sidebar, we are on global television this week. Bill Walishka is doing a special on Machete Comics. My wife and I will be on there. And we were discussing the storylines to this. You're going to hear more about it. It's going to be getting more of a push. There's only 100 copies of each of these, right? That's what makes a book worth money. How many copies are printed? So it's about to get a push behind this. We're about to be on global television, which is awesome. This is a 10-issue series. If you have bought the first three issues and you're like, wow, I don't really know what's going I can't wrap my head around this. Good. It, it, that's good. This is a 10-issue story, and I didn't do this to have make people buy every issue. I did this to write a good story, and I, and I expand on that on global television on our interview with Bill. But So faithful readers, if you're out there and you're like, wow, I, I don't know if I get this, good. You will. Oh, you will. There's issue eight. Uh, you can get three issues, three three different, whatever three issues you want, for was it thirty two bucks, including shipping. That's a great deal. Three comics shipped to your door for thirty two bucks. So you can even get three issues of one comic if you want. You can get some signed. Now let's go to our biggest seller right now. Yep, hey, Cult of Machete T-shirt. We got a report that once one gentleman's sleeve was a extra large sleeve, and the other sleeve was a large so we're gonna work on that for you jim thanks buddy you're a valued customer we appreciate you if you have that happening please let me know so far I, I i that's the only one i've heard and we're gonna take care of that for jim but that's weird we were discussing that and how odd is it to sit there and be like i think my one sleeve is bigger and larger and longer than the other one no well i think it is no maybe one arm's bigger than the other you're thinking right <clears throat> anyway jimmy that's that's a funny story i'm glad you shared that with me 
Uh, I love hearing from the, my 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 members of of our Cult of Machete here. You know, you can get at me on Instagram. You can get at me on Twitter. You can get at me on TikTok. You can get at me on Facebook. Get at me on YouTube. I generally hit you back unless you go ranting on about something or you're attacking me, and then I'll just ignore you. I had to delete and and ban um, yeah an individual this week, and it happens. It happens. Don't come at me with religion. I'm just discussing it here. Great. That's our biggest seller right now, that shirt. And why wouldn't it be? And it looks like a metal shirt from the 80s. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Sorry. My allergies are just kicking me again. But I like you, and I appreciate you. I do. All right. Thanks for tuning in to our show, Live from Machete Comics. This is the Cult of Machete. I am Chris Machete, your agent of chaos and favorite comic book artist. Now, what can I leave you with, my friends? Hmm. Well, I'd say from the story that we talked about, The Acid King, that you really got to second guess the information you're being fed. And how long has this been going on for? How long have we been fed information that works out for the people on the other end of it and not us? You got to look after yourself. Look into the details, educate yourself, and come out swinging. All right? Peace and love, my friends. See, I got both of them up here. I'm not doing the Satan one. Peace and love, my friends. Take care of each other. And the universe will take care of you. Right? The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.